Start at page 313. You may keep your seats. Oh, I'm sleeping lonely when all the friends are gone. My Lord said you're standing by my side. There is a heavy load upon me, and yet I'm pressing on. Because I found the Savior in God. Oh, yes, I have somebody with me to share the heavy load. I feel His presence near me every day. And all the trouble overtakes me, alone I swear it roll. I have somebody with me all the way. In mental and sorrow and heartache, not a Sweet as Maggie's day And soon I'm going home tomorrow When life on earth is true I have somebody with me all the way Oh yes, I have somebody with me To share my heavy load I feel His presence near me every day And although trouble overtakes me Alone my spirit won't Somebody with me all the way. Some boys are lots of pity. They say I'm sad and low, but I don't need their sympathy at all. That awful in that golden city, my Lord's prepared a hole. I'm leaving when I hear the final call. Oh, yes, I have somebody with me to share the heavy load. I feel Near me every day, and although trouble overtakes me, alone I swear it will. I have somebody with me all the way. Page 292. Yeah, I forgot the page number. Now in Cana, where the fruit so richly grows, where the saints are more rejoicing, where the men are equal, and every eye glory, glory, in my heart. In my soul, from day 
go uh, February 25th we have the youth trip to Scaly Mountain the snow tubing uh, March 11th we have men's top golf we leave the church at 2 p.m. right uh, there's a sign-up sheet out in the out in the hallway out there if anybody wants to sign up for that and then April 16th through 19th we have revival with brother Bud Stiltner uh, does anybody else have any announcements no announcements. Okay, as far as uh, prayer requests go this evening, I've already had a couple of people approach me about prayer requests. Uh, Jeff Guerin, Sherry Seabolt, the Wingo family from North Hall, Andrea Jackson, Lisa, and Lily Kemp. Uh, does anybody else have any prayer requests for this evening? 
Cheryl Jones. And Judy Pittman. Really need to be praying for Brother Warren. I know we all want to see him uh, and get better soon. Anybody else have any prayer requests for this evening? All right. Well, let's uh, let's find ourselves at the altar this evening. Let's take these prayer requests to the Lord. Uh, ask Him to be with this service this evening. Ask Him to be with me. I'm nervous being up here this evening. So, y'all will come on. Let's uh, let's have a moment of prayer with the Lord. Also, if you have any mission offerings, you can go ahead and bring them forth at this time. Thank you, Pastor. Okay, so uh, tonight the lesson is going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, before Pam and I came to church tonight, we were sitting at home and we were eating dinner. And Jeff, you'll probably get a kick out of this, but uh, Pam made a, a soup. It was a, it was a chicken bacon ranch soup. And uh, it, was, it was really good, but she took a rotisserie chicken and she picked it apart and put it in the soup. And, uh, Liz, she found a bone in her soup, and she said, Mommy, I found a bone in my soup. Pam says, well, just put it on your napkin, and I wasn't paying any attention. Well, she just reached over and dropped it in my soup. And she kept saying, Daddy, you feel anything hard in your soup? I said, no, I, I guess I ate it because I never found it. Um, but uh, t tonight's lesson, um, I, I had a couple of different passages that 
kind of spoke to me and I couldn't really figure out which one I was going to teach on tonight. But um, actually at the Valentine's banquet, it just kind of hit me and um, just kind of just settled in and this is what I was going to do. But it, it's going to be on comparing ourselves to other people. Um, something I think we can all kind of relate with. Um, you know, we've all been there before. We've all tried to compare ourselves to other people in good and bad ways. But I uh, just wanted to read this from, uh, read this to you. It's in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read verse 12 and 13, and I'm also going to read verse 17. Starting in verse 12, it says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves, and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. In verse 17, um, Paul writes, But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Go Lord in prayer real quick. Lord, as we come to you tonight, just pray for the service. Lord, I pray that that you'll be up here. I, I pray that you'll just use me as a mouthpiece. Lord, I'm, I'm unworthy, unworthy to bring this message tonight. Lord, but I ask that you give me the wisdom and the strength to do so, to make you proud. Lord, I pray that in all things that we do as a church, Lord, I pray that we bring you glory. Lord, I pray that, that we as a church will reach out not only inside the church walls, but outside the church walls and touch people in the community. Lord, to bring more people closer to you to have that relationship with you. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for all the blessings that you give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, Paul, but before I get into the to the lesson, basically I, I wanted to talk about what Second Corinthians is, and and Second Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, to the Corinthian church, and uh, he was writing this letter to the Corinthian church because the Corinthian church at this time was being influenced by false teachers. Um, throughout the the letter, you know, they basically what Paul was telling us is. Um, they claimed that, that Paul was proud. Uh, they claimed that Paul was dishonest. And basically that he was unqualified to be an apostle of Christ, which we all know is false, um, given the false teachers. But, but Paul wrote this letter uh, not only to defend himself, but to also guide uh, and to appeal to those unwilling to accept the authority that God had given him to preach the gospel. Throughout this letter, Paul defends himself um, of his calling as an apostle of Christ, but he also tries to guide and teach the Corinthian church on how Christ would like us to live, how he would like us to, to walk our walk with him and, and live our lives. But the, the first part of verse number 12 that um, I wrote or that uh, I read says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number. And when I read this, I was really trying to pick it apart and try to find what Paul was actually talking about. Of course, I'm not Paul and I never will be. But uh, what I got from this is when Paul says, for we dare not make ourselves of the number. I thought, well, that means we probably don't need to conform to the carnal knowledge of the world. Uh, the world focuses... When, when you look at how the world views people, they view people in measurable ways. Um, things we can measure such as wealth, you know, how much money somebody's worth, how much money they have. Uh, status, 
knowledge, possessions, looks, all things are measurable things that when we look at other people, we can, we can size them up, we can measure them off of these things, and we can compare ourselves to other people off of these things, whether it's a good or a bad way. Um, but when we do this, and, and, and y'all bear with me for a second because I'm trying to get this thought out, but when we do this, y'all know how a horse, a racehorse has blinders on. That's what we do when we look at somebody's wealth or status or knowledge, possessions, the way they look, the way they act. We put those blinders on and our focus is so narrow that we can't see the big picture. We can't see what God sees. We'll never be able to. We're not capable of seeing what God's able to see. And, and we tend to measure ourselves and compare ourselves to other people in this way. And it's, it's not just us, but society teaches this. They, they teach that if you're successful, you're going to make a lot of money. Um, if you're famous, you're probably going to be good looking. Um, and society kind of teaches this and molds our thought process into comparing ourselves with other people. I know women have it real tough. You open up a magazine and you see women in a magazine and they, they all look like a Barbie. Uh, and that's not real life. And, and it's, it's unhealthy for people to compare themselves to people like that. Um, and, and one thing that really stuck out to me is when we do narrow our focus in and we focus on what other people are doing, focus on the measurable things of other people, what are we losing focus of? Losing focus of Christ and what Christ has planned for our life. So Christ and God, they've made each one of us an individual. We're all different from other people, but that was by design. We're all part of the body of Christ. The hand's not going to do the same thing the foot's going to do. The eyes aren't going to do the same thing the nose is going to do. Each member of the body of Christ has a different purpose. And just because somebody's called to do a different purpose than what our life is, whether we look at it as being a greater purpose or a purpose that, that we might say is, is not as good as what our purpose is, if, if that's what, what your thought process is, not for us to decide. We should be choosing to live for Christ and live out what Christ has for us to do in our lives. Um, when we focus on those things, we just completely lose sight of Jesus. Paul also states that those who compare themselves are not wise. So when I think about somebody who's wise, the opposite of what they would be, the opposite of a wise man would be a selfish man. Uh, the opposite of a wise man would be a self-centered man. Um, and, and, you know, I, I started thinking also, when we, when we start comparing ourselves to other people and we compare ourselves to measurable things, all those measurable things that I mentioned, the wealth, the status, the knowledge, the possession, every one of those can be taken from you. Everything, if, if you're a wealthy man and you keep all your money in the stock market, the stock market crashes, you don't have anything. If you're a wealthy man and you keep all your money in a safe, somebody can break into your house and, and take the safe. You're, you don't have anything. Your status, even if you're the president of the United States, your status can be stripped from you. He can be impeached. He can be taken down off of his pedestal if he messes up some way. You know, knowledge. All it would take is somebody getting in a car accident, you get brain damage, and then your knowledge goes out the window. But one thing that cannot be taken from us is Christ in our heart. 
when we have Christ in our heart and we're not focused on the possessions of the world and the things that this world teaches us to focus on, and we focused on Christ and what he's doing, that's something that we can't, we can't lose. Once you're saved, you're Christ. You are his, and he is your savior. Um, just the, the measurable things of the world, they're so fickle they can be taken from you at any moment. When I look at verse 17, um, you know, comparing also leads to pride. Um, it, it can lead to a couple of things, but, but when you compare yourself to other people, it can lead to pity. And it can lead to pride. Um, if, if, I look at, if I look at Terry over there and I say, man, I wish I was as good looking as Terry is, uh, you know, I could start feeling sorry for myself. I mean, y'all understand what I'm saying, but, um, but if, if you start comparing yourself to other people, you, you can start feeling sorry for yourself and wonder, why didn't God give me those gifts that he gave somebody else? Well, you're not somebody else. You're your own individual person that God made, and he specifically made you and designed you for your purpose in this life. Um, and then, then pride. If you look at somebody, you know, I work in construction, and I've been blessed enough to, to have a, a position in construction where I've got guys that work with me, and, um, and I, I manage a, a job site. Uh, if I looked at those guys that were pushing a broom in the corner and thought, well, I'm smarter than they are, or I know more than they are, that would be prideful on my part. And that's, that's not Christ-like at all. That's not what Christ wants us to do. Their purpose might, in this life, could be greater than mine. They could witness and, and see hundreds of souls be saved. And all I'm doing is just running a, a construction site. So, you know, the, the pride aspect and then the pity aspect it, it, it can all lead to bad things. But when we think about instead of glorying in ourselves and glorying in other people, what we need to be doing is glorying for God, for God and for Christ. You know, what he did for us on the cross, he didn't have to do that. He didn't ha God didn't have to send Jesus down to die on the cross. That way we could have the knowledge knowing that we have eternal salvation through what he did on the cross. You know, he took the absolute worst punishment that somebody could take, the worst, the worst, absolute worst way to die. And he did it in such a perfect way in order to save our souls. Because if I got what I deserved, I'd have a one-way ticket straight to hell. But because of what Christ did for me and for, for what he did for y'all and the salvation that we have through Christ, we have that opportunity to go to heaven. We are going to go to heaven as long as we're, we accept that Christ is our Savior, as long as we see ourselves for what we actually are, and that's the center. We should glory in God. That's, that's the whole, whole point. When, when, when in verse 17 it says that he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord, we should glory in the Lord and not ourselves and not other people. There was a, a story that I was told not too long ago, and it kind of made me made me think about this one or this story when I was uh, preparing this lesson. Uh, but it's a story of uh, there's, there's a really wealthy man been uh, saving his money up and he goes to build this house and he's building this. I think the guy told me, and it's a true story. Um, but the guy that told it to me said this guy was building like a $10 million house, just a mansion, big, beautiful house, multiple floors, uh, all the nicest fixtures and 
and bells and whistles you could put on a house. And the man, he was, he was extremely stressed out about building this house, and he was angry because the house wasn't coming along as fast as he wanted it to, and he was having problems with work and everything else. So he decided he was going to go pay the contractor a visit and uh, went to the job site where the house was being built and popped his head in the door. And when he opened up the door, all the workers were there. And these were guys who were doing framing. I've been electricians or plumbers or guys hanging drywall, whatever it may be. And he walked in, and when he walked in, every one of them were smiling. They were singing. They were having a good time. They, they were enjoying themselves. And the guy kind of took a step back. He says, you know, I'm building a multi-million dollar house. I've got this big, fancy business that I run. I, I am what the world views as a successful man. But he started looking at the workers and he said, I'm not so sure, so sure that I'm the one that's successful. He said, these guys are happy, but look at me, I'm miserable. I've got all this money, I've got all this wealth, but I'm miserable and these guys that are probably making minimum wage doing a dirty job like construction and they're happy. And I started thinking about that and I know you might say, well, well Clay, how does, that, how does that relate to the story? I started thinking, well, what if the workers are like Christians? And the rich man is like the world. You know, the world shows us, hey, to be successful, you got to make money. You got to, you got to be famous. You know, you you have to have all these material things to be successful. But as a Christian, we're not only happy, which happiness can fade. We have joy. The joy cannot fade. The joy that Christ has given us, it can't fade. When I when I I, I started. You know, I was talking to Pam about this and, and just thought, I was like, you know, that's a, that's a really good, really good analogy that, you know, the people in this world that are happy, they don't compare themselves to other people. They don't think that they have to keep up with the Joneses. Um, they focus on Christ. They focus on Christ and Christ alone and what Christ has for them to do through their walk. Um, another story is um, the story of Joseph, a biblical story. Uh, we all know uh, about Joseph, how, how he was the son of Israel, which we know is Jacob. Um, Israel, he favored Joseph over all of his other sons. Favored him so much that he went and made him a coat. Uh, made him a coat, a lot of different colors. Uh, and Joseph also had dreams. And he had dreams that he would rule over his brothers one day. And he made those dreams known. He, he told his brothers about those dreams. And his brothers, they compared themselves to Joseph, and, and they got envious of Joseph. They told Joseph that he was a dreamer. They were envious that his father loved Joseph so much. They were envious of the coat that he had made. Um, and, and, you know, I, I could keep going with the story and, and tell you about how Joseph, they, they sold Joseph into slavery and, or, or sold him into servitude, and, and Joseph ended up going to jail because of a false accusation of adultery. and. Um, you know, long story short, Joseph ends up second up underneath Pharaoh and ends up taking care of his family. But um, I know that God has a will and everything happens for, for a reason. And, and I know that Joseph was, was sold into servitude probably by God's will. It's in the Bible. Uh, you know, I feel like everything that happened in the Bible happened for a reason. But just... For argument's sake, Joseph's brothers didn't have to do that. 
they didn't have to be as ugly as they were to him. And the only reason they were ugly to him is because they were comparing themselves themselves to what Joseph was. Joseph was favored by his father. Joseph was favored by God. We read that in the Bible. But um, his brothers weren't willing to accept that. They were too worried about what Jacob or Israel was thinking about Joseph to worry about their own relationship with their own father. They were more worried about Joseph's relationship with their father. So as, as far as comparing yourselves to other people, um, you know, I, I touched on the fact that it does create poor self-esteem. It, it, it creates pity. Um, we're all blessed beyond measure. We all live in the United States of America. There are a lot of countries out there, third world countries. These people don't have anything. They, they live in shacks if they have a place to live in. They sleep on dirt floors. Uh, we all go home at night to a roof over our head. We all ate dinner tonight. We all have a bed to sleep in. We are blessed beyond our measure. But for some reason, sometimes when we compare ourselves to people, we'll start feeling sorry for ourselves and wonder why the other person got blessed and we weren't as blessed. But when you look at it, we're blessed just by what Christ did for us on the cross. But, but we, we start comparing ourselves, we, we tend to want more. It's not right. It's not right. It's not right for us to want more than what we're blessed with. And then the pride, you know, God does make, make each one of us by design different, and, and we all play a different role in the body of Christ. Uh, but one thing I, I kind of wanted to touch on is, um, you know, I, I know I've been up here saying that comparing ourselves to other people isn't isn't healthy. It's not it's not good. It's not a Christian thing to do. And maybe not comparing yourselves to somebody, but having a role model. Um, you know, if you compare yourself to if if I look at Brother Marty, um, how long have you been preaching? So 30, 30 years. You've been doing it for thirty years. I can look at that and say, you know, I could use him as a as a role model for me to to make sure that I'm trying to do the right things. It's good to have people in our lives that we can look at and not necessarily compare ourselves to, but kind of use as somebody that can set examples for us. You know, growing up, Jeff and Dad set examples for me, whether they realize it or not. They they set good, some bad. Uh, but, but for the most part, they were good examples. They, they taught me how to be a man. Uh, they, they taught me how to, how, to, how to grow up and take responsibility, and uh, along with some other things I'll probably not talk about, uh, especially not in church. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's good to have, have role models and people that you can look up to that, that can guide you to, to walk a good Christian walk walk that walk with Christ and, and to be devoted to Jesus. And, and, you know, you see other men, and I'm talking as men, and I'm sure women feel the same way, but when I see other men that are older than me that do walk that walk with Christ and show me that it can be done, it gives me encouragement and it gives me inspiration to know that, yeah, times are tough sometimes. You know, we're all tempted by different things. Uh, Christ creates us all different. But I know that those men have overcame temptation. They've overcame obstacles of the world. And they set examples for me to know that I can do the same. And, 
and you know, even if, if you look at young people, uh, one one man that I think the world of is Titus Crisp. You know, I think that he is, you know, I think he's just up here. You know, he sets such a good example of what it's like to be a Christian man and to walk the walk that Christ has us to walk. He's not worried about what other people think of him. He's not worried about what other people are doing. But what he does is he's worried about Christ and how he can live up to what Christ has for him in his life. Um, that's, that's the gist of, of really what I wanted to talk about tonight. I do have a poem. I didn't know that. I know y'all probably don't see me reading poetry very often. But uh, I do have a poem. Pam actually found this poem online. I told her what, what I was teaching about, and she actually found this. And I thought it, was, was, it made a lot of sense. But the poem goes like this. The stick I made for measuring I use most every day. It helped me to compare myself with others on my way. I watched all those behind me or further down the road, and I would readjust my pace or lighten up my load. The only real drawback with how I ran my race was watching everything around except my Savior's face. And I just thought that would be a really good way to end, end the lesson tonight. Uh, if you don't get anything else out of tonight, don't worry about what the world thinks of you. Don't worry about what the person next to you is good at or not good at. Don't worry about how much money somebody else has or their status or their possessions. When you start worrying about those things, we put blinders on and we can't see Christ. We're not focused on Christ. We're not focused on what Christ has for our lives. Um, if, if you take anything from tonight, please take that. That's all I've got for this evening. Um, I, don't, I don't know. We, we good? Okay. Um, Brother Terry, would you like to close us in prayer this evening? Our thoughts, and our brothers, God, and how that we wouldn't be a stumbling block to nobody but.